From up in the nosebleeds to down to the 50-yard line, wherever you watch the game, this is the place to sound off. Sports Talk with Jock on 770 CHQR. CFL Commissioner Randy Ambrose issued a letter to fans today. He's not sure what the future holds. He says he can't guarantee the CFL season is going to start on time, but he says, hey, uh, let's follow the advice of experts, let's support each other, and let's stay healthy, and I think that's a fantastic advice. So let's talk a little football here on Sports Talk with Jock. A real pleasure to be joined by the head coach of your Calgary Stampeders, Dave Dickinson. Uh, Dave, welcome to the show, number one, and, and everything okay at home? Uh, family's fine? We're good. Yeah, we're uh, we're just doing like everyone else. I think it's smart just to just kind of stay by yourselves, and if it's not essential, stay in, and and hopefully we uh, you know get some good news on this soon. Well, what about from a football perspective? You know, obviously you're planning for a season, and and, and I, I'm sure you're you're game planning. You're you're trying to put a roster together. Uh, how about from a football standpoint? Uh, you know, how, how are you handling that? Well, we've kind of been just altering our you know, our meeting. So basically when it kind of all kind of got going, you know, we, we tried to, you know, be smart about things, but we still were going in the office, but we've now transitioned away from the office and doing meetings on, uh, on your computer, either from uh, somewhere where you're by yourself and just trying to do our best to steal, still work, but also be smart. And it's been working fine. I mean, we're not in a stressful time right now. Um, you know, we're disappointed obviously that, uh, in our line of work, you you, you want to you know have access to the athletes and plan it on uh, the draft, both going on global and Canadian. We want to do the best job we can, but every team's in the same boat. So we uh, we'll just uh, you know see what see what the life and the world gives us here soon. Uh, that's the only way you can handle it. I, I know the league did close team facilities uh, today, which uh, you know that that's that's understandable. I, I'm curious, you know, as the head coach or, or is it Huff that's dealing with the players? Because you must be getting a lot of players, especially the American players, saying, uh, "What's going on?" Or, 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 or who's handling those calls right now with the organization? Yeah, I would expect Huff. You know, yeah. he does all the conference calls. He does all the stuff. Uh, we've we've been, you know, we've been kind of scaling back. You know, like cutting back on hours and putting in. Uh, extra hand sanitizers and, right. you know, trying to talk to people. But, yeah, like you said, it just kept getting scaled back, scaled back to where it's at now where, yeah, we're just going to have to stay away. And I'm good with that. I mean, I, I, we can still work. We can still communicate. And if we're non-essential, we don't need to be there, um, then we won't be there. So we'll just, uh, yeah, Huff handles all that. And obviously the communication from above him has been excellent as well. And like you said, we'll just kind of, uh, you know, have a positive outlook on things, but also understand the severity of what's going on. Do, do you have conference calls with your coaches uh, every day, or, or just sort of playing that by ear right now? Uh, we we've been doing like some meetings, like called WebEx. It's just a deal where you kind of get on and everyone can see each other. We do talk and text. Um, we've already given out the schedule for the off season, though, and have everyone knows what they're to do. The thing that was kind of crazy is, you know, like Josh Bell, the American guy, I, I, he was up here working, and, and Josh has kids, so, um, you know, I, I, he wanted to get back, and we sent him back to Houston to be with his family. So now, you know, Brent Monson, same things back in Hamilton. He was here. Um, Dwayne Cameron was supposed to come out, but we're going to leave him at home. So we are fragmented, but it doesn't mean we can't still communicate and hopefully, um, you know, still get work done. 
uh, not being able to have these these open tryouts. You know, obviously, uh, some of those players would be would be coming to camp uh, this year. Uh, d- does it? Uh, how does how does that affect uh, you know running the organization right now? I think you just gotta you know go with the information you got. Okay. Um, you know, your decision making won't maybe be as thorough. It's just the way it is. I do think I you know what what makes me sad is that there are going to be some missed opportunities for guys because you just don't you can't see them mm-hmm. um but there's also across this whole country and the world there's a lot of people that are it's it's more than just a virus it's there's a lot of people in some tough times so we're very fortunate we feel like um you know I think I you know things are are fairly solid up here and our organizations taking care of us but that's not always the case with other work and other people so you know, just just gonna just kind of just put everything on pause. Um, you're right; there are challenges, but that's basically we got little challenges compared to what other people are dealing with. Head coach Dave Dickinson of the Calgary Stampeders, a special guest here on Sports Talk with Jock. I, I don't know if they're going to be going ahead with the uh, CFL Rules Committee next weekend on a conference call or not, Coach. But uh, uh, hey, uh, uh, one rule that's been getting an awful lot of talk is the is the rouge. Should the rouge be twe- uh, tweaked? Uh, I've always had an issue with you know a field goal missed goes through the end zone and you still get a single point. I'd love to see that out. I, I love the rouge. Uh, where does Dave Dickinson stand? <laughs> I've been in Canada a long time. I didn't get it when I first was in, when I got to the league. I mean, I know it's a rugby rule and I know it's been around a long time. Um, not a big fan of, of giving people points for failure. So, uh, you know, but I'm not, I'm not even sure, you know, what the whole kick in the end zone where I'm at with it. I, uh, I have to admit, I just play by the rules, and it does affect you. Obviously, you're, we practice certain situations. Uh, I remember, actually, when I played here, you know, if we got down inside the 10 and the game was tied and we were going for the field goal, we turned our formation to go out the side of the end zone and so that we wouldn't hit the upright. And you know, I honestly don't like that. Um, I, I, I haven't put it in myself because uh, – I just don't feel like that's the way you play football. But, hey, if it was a playoff game, Grey Cup, and it was one point wins it, I'm kicking it out the back and and living and taking my ring. So, you know, I I think there is some chance. Personally, I like the idea to tweak it a little bit. I know everybody loves scoring, and it does, you know, kind of, you know, change how, you know, scoring. It gets a few odd numbers in there. And also, you know, sometimes it can get you within one possession, so it's important. But, um, you know, I'm not really on that committee. Huff does it all. He, he has my opinion, but uh, I wouldn't mind a tweak. I really wouldn't. So I, we'll see what happens. Uh, the other idea that got a lot of buzz with Randy's road trip and uh, Randy Randy Ambrosi, the commissioner of the Canadian Football League, uh, t- uh, tweaking the n- the playoff format a little bit. You know, the top two teams, top team in the West, top team in the East, you're still the top two seeds, and then you combine everybody behind and you seed accordingly. I, I-, I think that's a-, a real positive step forward, too. I'm not sure we're going to see it. Uh, Coach, w- w- what do you think of that? Well, I think it's long overdue. Yeah. Um, I would have been fine with just the top two teams getting buys. Um, there is a ton of history in the CFL, and I I get the East versus West thing, but, you know, I feel like Kansas, Canada, you know, you'll have your team, but uh, and you'll probably dislike another team. But to be honest, um, Canadians support the Great Cup no matter who's in the game. Um, so, I mean, I was there when we were talking about it. I think it's, I think it's a cool step. I think it's well-deserved. I mean, there's no reason, you know, you finish with the third best league in the entire – or third best record in the entire league, 
and then you don't even get a home playoff game. That yeah. doesn't seem right, and that has happened the last few years. You know, I mean, obviously the, the teams in the East right now probably aren't in love with that, uh, but they've been the beneficiary for the last few years because the West has been so strong. And things will cycle, and the East will be stronger than the West at some point soon, and uh, and people won't even worry about it. So I like it. I think I think it's got a chance to go through this year, and I hope it does. Um, you know, the, the challenge, I wasn't a big um, believer in picking your opponent. Uh, I thought that got a little bit, maybe a little yeah. too far on it. But I'm glad we're thinking about it. I know they have a committee uh, of brothers on it that are trying to come up with some, you know, some ideas to, to make it better and for the fans to have a little bit of input and, and also to, to generate a little interest. So I, I, like, I think that's an excellent idea. Uh, any other rules, tweaks you, you would like to see as a, as a head coach? Well, we've been pretty solid. You know, I'm the thing to me is instant replay in the command center. I think if we can tighten that up, I think we'll be a better league. I, I definitely think we went too far as far as calling roughing the quarterbacks last year. I think it went from 46 to 79 and, and a lot of those just weren't justified. So, um, that would be something I believe our league's looking at, but, um, to be honest, you know, I always complain about refereeing and all that. And then when I look back at it, they have such a tough job and, and that command center, I think we can, um, you know, improve it. But the standard they went with was that they're just not going to change much. Uh, the negative on that is that you're looking at gray calls. If it's black and white, it's not that hard. But when you're looking at things that have, you know, your opinions getting involved, it is tougher. So they've just decided not to change. I did not think the NFL's command center did a nice job at all this past year on pass interference. I thought we did a better job. So, I mean, it's always going to be changing, morphing a little bit. And, um, you know, we're trying to give the fans and, and the people the best product without slowing the game down, but also trying to get as many calls right as possible. You know, from a viewer's perspective, I kind of like what they did in the XFL, where they, they took you right into the control room and you could see, you know, what they were going through and what they were discussing. I, I thought for me that was uh, that was brilliant. But I don't know, as a coach, what did you think? I'm fine with it. I mean, you, there's accountability at all levels. Yeah. Um, there will be mistakes made though. So I don't think people, uh, you know, you can't crucify people. They have mistakes we made, even command center, referees, coaching players. So, you know, it's, it's, it's hard, um, you know, to kind of be put on the spot and, you know, have yourself, you know, basically the media and the fans are seeing what you're doing. Uh, you could make a mistake and obviously put yourself out there for criticism, but I thought it was a solid, um, Addition. I've always enjoyed watching like Dean Blandino or some of the referees that are on the on the broadcast that know the rules in and out and really tell you how they used to see it and call it. I I, I think that's a great way to uh, kind of clear up any confusion that's out there. Uh, uh, when the XFL first explained their kickoff rules, I, I must admit I was going, "What? That doesn't make any sense. That'll look awful." And the first time I saw it, I thought, "Geez, that really does look awful." And then the more I watched the XFL, I thought, you know, from a safety perspective, and, and even from an entertainment perspective, I was okay with it. Uh, d- did you like the kickoff rules in the XFL? I like it for the U.S. game because I don't want to see the ball just go out the back of the end zone all the right. time. I'm not. I'm not saying uh, in our game that it's needed. I think uh, some of the cool stuff on our, you know, with our big field and setting up cross blocks and and a surprise onside kicks and uh, those type of things, you know, reverses. Because in theory, you know, we do a lot of fake reverses, reverses with two returners back there. They only have one guy back there, so you really can't do as much creativity and fun type of stuff. 
Uh, so I really don't think we need it. Um, you know, obviously they'll look at it with player safety, uh, but I, I think a lot of our guys make a living on special teams. That's what they do. Uh, so I, I like our rules for Canada because our kickers, I, I don't really think there's anyone, maybe Boris Beatty, that's kicking it to the goal line and we're returning them all. I think in the NFL and college, obviously, they're just trying to make another play. I do not like where they put the ball if it goes out of bounds, like up to the 45. I think that's way too punitive. Okay. And they also had another issue where, you know, the kicking team, uh, the other team took a objectionable conduct. Well, there's no advantage for the kicking team to go up 15 yards. So there were some unforeseen things that happened okay. uh, by changing the rules. Maybe, you know, like if the kicking team or the receiving team took a, a dead ball penalty before, maybe they have to come in tighter than the goal line. I don't know. But, I mean, they did some things. Uh, that league certainly uh, I thought was, was holding its own and, and doing some good things. Um, you know, and this obviously is, might be something that, uh, you know, is a big body blow to them as well. So we'll see, see how it all plays out. Hey, a couple more before I let you go, and it's always fun to talk football here. Um, I watched a lot of LSU this year, the, the Tigers, because my daughter was an LSU Tiger, and, and, and you know, I fell in love with that Tigers team, and Joe Burrow, you know, what a quarterback, and won the Heisman Trophy, and, and then he goes to the NFL Combine, and he's got a small hand, and so he, he sort of made fun of it on, on Twitter. Um, as a quarterback, how important is that to, to have to have a big hand, or, or, you know, you're a former quarterback, what, what, what do you think? Well, it's funny, you know, as a player, you don't think it's important. And as a coach, you, you obviously you look at everything. You know, I remember going to the combine. I was a late invite. I didn't know what to expect, but I was in between a guy named Danny Cannell and Bobby Hoying. So they're both 6'4 to 6'5, uh, very big people. Uh, and there was myself, you know, 5'10, 185 in between them. And, you know, you'd go and order like a meat market. So you'd go up there and you'd do your wingspan and they'd yell out your numbers. Well, the guy in front of me would have big numbers and I went way down. And then obviously the guy behind me had big numbers. Kind of felt like, well, this isn't going my way. Um, but I do think hand size can be important. Uh, I think you can spin the ball. I think you can do better in bad weather games. Um, I think hand is important. Uh, obviously, grip strength as well. Uh, so I think it can be something that's that's uh, uh, an advantage to you. But, you know, same as catching the ball, I think big hands can help, but also some of the best that have ever done it. Remember Steve Largent? I know I'm aging myself, but didn't drop ball. He had tiny hands for the Seahawks. And right. so it's certainly there's going to be exceptions to the rule, but I think, you know, large hand can, can provide you a few advantages, meaning, like I said, with a little bit, uh, you can spin it a little easier, and uh, I think you – you also can do a little bit more in poor weather games. So um, they'll, they'll look at it all. Do I think it's going to impact Joe Burrow's draft uh, pick status? Nope. <laughs> the lock for number one. And, uh, ah, you, you see, know. that was going to be my next question. I go, if, you, if you're the general manager of Cincinnati, are you going with Tua or are you going with Joe? But you've basically answered the question for me. Well, I'm not even going to it with the second quarterback. Oh, so, really? Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, no, I'm not doing it. I think there's too much doubt. I think there's, uh, you know, you're going to invest that much in a guy in, in, the, in that. I'm not doing it with a guy that has basically a, a major hip injury. When the other guys are pushing, there's some other good quarterbacks in the draft. I'm yeah. I'm going to go on record. I think the Oregon kid's going to have a good career. Um, I think he needs a little bit more confidence and, you know, a little bit more, I think, you know, maybe that inner belief, but I think he's a hell of a player. So, uh, we'll see. I've been wrong many times, but that's how I would. That's how I would uh, do it. I would push to a back. I would 
think of him more as a late first round pick because okay. uh, he has great upside, but enough question marks for me not to to mortgage my future on that. You know, the the first part of this conversation was pretty heavy, but I really enjoyed the second half of this conversation, just talking football. That's uh, that's what we all like doing, uh, Coach. Uh, thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate it, and uh, stay, ha- stay healthy and uh, stay safe. All right. I appreciate it, too, Jock. We'll be in touch. You bet we will. That is head coach Dave Dickinson of your Calgary Stampeders. And uh, always good to talk football, of course, with what's going on in the world. Yeah, that was just some good quality football talk at the end there. Uh, by the way, a little bit of NFL news for you. Uh, New Orleans Saints head coach Sean Payton, he has tested positive for COVID-19. And, and I guess the big news in the NFL today, Los Angeles Rams have released Todd Gurley. Uh, they, he was due a $10 million dollar paycheck today well right before that was due uh, he was cut loose by the los angeles Rams, so he is now a free agent uh, the denver broncos are apparently waving joe flacco as well as he failed a physical hey the other the other big news in the sporting world today the nba now up to 13 positive tests positive tests for the nuggets the celtics the 76ers and the lakers and, and i'll leave you with this because this was adam silver the commissioner of the nba saying hey uh, right now, NBA players are super carriers. You could put our players in a category that some would refer to as super spreaders. And that is they are young people who are working in close proximity to each other. Um, they are traveling at great frequency. They are regularly in large groups, including um, the public. And for young, the young cohort in particular... Um, a large numbers of them are asymptomatic. And if they do have symptoms, they're relatively mild. Interesting. Super spreaders. That's the new uh, catchphrase in the NBA. Hey, that does it for Sports Talk with Jock. Be safe. Be healthy. Thanks for making Sports Talk with Jock part of your evening. And to quote our mayor one more time, stay home, wash your hands, be kind, and save lives. This is 770 CHQR.